The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that reads the sports section in the physical newspaper. I'm Jake Mintz and I am back, joined by my good friend and colleague Jordan Schusterman to do a little audio content for you people. Good morning, sir. I appreciate this extra 20 seconds to come up with what I'm going to say as opposed to Monday where I just had to do it. I just had to start talking. Um, it is very good to have you back. Thank you again to Craig Goldstein uh, for pinch potting for you. But it is a little bit nicer to be recording with my good friend Jake Mintz. So welcome back, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, before we get into why I was gone and the entire show, just want to remind everybody two important pieces of business. Number one, we have a live event this Saturday, 5 p.m. at a bar outside of Camden Yards in Baltimore, a bar called 771, formerly known as Sliders. We will be doing a live podcast show. Oh, boy, it will be about an hour long. How much does it cost you? Nothing. Don't need to uh, refinance your mortgage to come listen to Jordan and I talk. Okay, you're going to be good. So swing by, say hello. We'll be answering questions, doing a live show, talking about random Orioles. It'll be a good time. If you're on the Eastern Seaboard, we expect you to be there. The second piece of news is that there is merch. There is merch uh, and you should buy it. You can find it on our Twitter. You can find it on the link below attached to the podcast. Some of it is is really good. Some of it's fine. Um, there's one or two things I don't like, uh, but for the whole, it, it's pretty solid. You can probably find something that you will either wear or enjoy using. Um, and yeah, so so check that out. We're, we're excited about a lot of that stuff, and it is very cool to see people sending us pictures, uh, you know, drinking their coffee in their Barbacast mugs. So we appreciate the support. And yes, we hope to see as many of you as possible at the live event Saturday, 5 p.m., Section 771 outside of Camden Yards. More details coming soon. So, Jordan, I did not do the podcast on Monday. And as someone who is currently sitting in Baltimore, who grew up idolizing Cal Ripken, it was hard for me to admit that I needed to take a day off. I was able to do what Cal Ripken was never able to do, take a day off for the sake of his own betterment to understand that, you know, you do not need to pod. You do not need to play every day. Uh, my beloved grandmother, Ruth Greenfeld, passed away over the weekend at the age of 85. She had been sick for a while. She survived the Nazis, uh, left Germany when she was two and got cancer when she was 60 and it didn't kill her. And so it was as peaceful and as um, so, uh, comfortable an end to a lovely, wonderful life as you could ask for. My whole family was here in Baltimore for it. And as a result, because Jews like to grieve hard, uh, <laughs> grieve hard, grieve all the time, uh, I took Monday off. But, you know, over the last couple of days of being at Shiva, of uh, being around my family, of, of talking about my grandmother, I, I have continuously gone back to the Orioles and there are so many pictures around this house of her in Orioles stuff, of me in Orioles stuff as a kid with her. And it is just very funny and cool to me that this girl came over from Nazi Germany at the age of two during the Holocaust and died a diehard Orioles fan, right? Like that is a reminder of how bizarre and weird and wonderful and meaningful this globe of baseball can be where, you know, you know, for me growing up, like it wasn't just that my dad and my grandpa liked baseball, right? Like my grandma 
was a ball fan. Like she knew ball. Like I could talk ball with my grandma. And I think that really opened up my mind to a lot of things uh, about the world of sports and about the world in general. So um, her her memory lives on with my family and I appreciate a lot of the support and the messages that I've gotten from people. And uh, now my mom is watching me through the window. Hi, mom. Uh, but that is kind of where I will leave things uh, in regards to my grandmother and the Baltimore Orioles. Yes. Now, because of that, as you alluded to in the intro, uh, you have been relatively disconnected from the Major League Baseball season, not just uh, relative to, you know, the normal first week of the year, but just relative to any week. And I think that has presented us with an interesting opportunity to catch Jake up on the the baseball happenings. I know this is weirdly something we've done before, although in the past, you know, with the trade deadline, it is more of Jake like totally shutting things off. This is a much more understandable reason to be <laughs> offline. So in the second half of the show, I am going to kind of tell Jake about some of the things that he has not seen, because I understand you really have not watched much baseball since like Friday. Yeah, and I understand for folks who are amped and jazzed up about the new season, listen to a baseball podcast. Ooh, I want to hear their takes about the season. Nope, you're going to listen to me talk about grief uh, and its interplay with with baseball for a little bit. Uh, no, I have not watched really any games since Saturday when the Red Sox walked off the Orioles on an Adam Duvall home run. That was the last thing I saw. I have been consuming baseball only through the morning paper, the Baltimore Sun, which still gets delivered here to my grandmother's apartment, uh, and through conversations with uh, Baltimore area old men who have come to pay their respects, find out that I work in baseball and ask me how I feel about the new rules before they share their opinion. That is all I know. That is basically all I know about the world of baseball right now. And so Jordan, after the break a little bit later, will be catching me up. But while I'm in Baltimore and while we're talking about the Orioles, one of the things that did filter through my field of vision is that Grayson Rodriguez, G-Rod, uh, the top pitching prospect for the Baltimore Orioles, was called up late last night to make his big league debut tonight, Wednesday, April 5th, in Texas against Jacob deGrom. It is a very odd time for a top prospect to make their big league debut, like the one point five week of the season, not the first week, not the end of April right here. Uh, Jordan, why don't you walk people through kind of the path of Grayson Rodriguez and what type of pitcher he is and why him making that start tonight is a big deal. Sure. And I think it's actually uh, an, an afternoon game. So we got to make sure we, we oh, give wow. some people to hopefully by the time people listen to this, you know, either he's, he's thrown a perfect game or, or whatever. But uh, we're obviously setting you up for his his whole career here uh, relatively. Now, of course, we should also mention you know, we, we had Grayson on the show, so the best way to really learn about him is to go back and listen to our conversation that we had with him over the offseason. But Grayson Rodriguez was the 11th overall pick in the 2018 draft. We were at that draft, and I remember, uh, I think we've told the story before, but, you know, at this time, the Orioles didn't exactly have the benefit of the doubt in terms of, you know, drafting and developing pitching. And so when they take the big high school pitcher from Texas, 11th overall, ahead of some other really good hitters, it's like, oh, no. Oh, goodness, this is this is not going to go well. But he has developed just incredibly well. Uh, a lot of that has to do with, of course, Grayson himself, who has always been a tremendous player, um, but also having to do with, you know, one of the faces of this Orioles kind of new development system and kind of turning him into the beast that he has that he has, you know, and last year, really the last two seasons, you know, as strong as his debut was in 2019 in Delmarva, you know, what he's done in the upper minors the last two seasons and throwing just an incredibly deep arsenal of pitches for strikes. Uh, that's what has made him into one of the best pitching prospects in baseball, if not the best pitching prospect in baseball. But to your point, <laughs> it, it is a strange time to debut. And I think we're all trying to kind of figure out exactly why this was the sequence here, as opposed to just having him on a, the opening day roster. I know you want to talk about um, his first, he did make a start. He has made a start in AAA last week, so he's on regular rest. But it does seem a little time, but at the same time, it's like, who cares? Like, this is great. Hopefully he's up for good. I know some people are speculating. That might just send him right back down. But I hope he's up for good. Um, I do think he's one of their best pitchers, and I'm excited to see his career get started. So I think part of it is, uh, with all due respect to a friend of the show, Grayson Rodriguez, man was poo-poo in spring. Uh, he got knocked around. His ERA was above seven. Like he could have gone out there and won that job. And he did it. He frankly did not do that. Now, should he have started the year in the big leagues? Almost certainly. Was there some service time shenanigans about keeping him down? Potentially. I'm less inclined to believe that now that they called him up so swiftly after Kyle Bradish was hit on the leg with a line drive 
a couple days ago. That's why there's a roster spot here, I believe, for him to come up. Um, but what, what makes Grayson unique is what you mentioned, his ability to throw five pitches for strikes. None of his offerings grayed out as elite plus, 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 plus Spencer Strider, top of the zone fastball or, you know, manual class A cutter. Like he doesn't have that offering that necessarily defines him. I would say if, if there is anything of that, it's probably the changeup. Um, but he's able to throw five pitches for strikes and they all are plus to, you know, average pitches, which is very, very impressive for a guy his age. Now, how will Grayson Rodriguez do? It, it really comes down to what is the fastball velocity with him. So for a lot of the beginning of last year, the velocity was more 95 to 98. He missed a bunch of time during the season last year with an oblique injury, came back and the velo was, and the uh, secondaries were a little bit down. They kind of have bounced around in spring. He got knocked around in his first start in the minor leagues, which was in the pouring rain, which is hard to you know take that into account. If the velo is in the you know six to eight range, this guy could be a legit number two starter. If it's a little bit lower than that, it's maybe more of a mid-rotation guy. We'll take the over on Grayson considering how he approaches the game. He's a bulldog on the mound. Awesome to watch. Um, and it, th- this is kind of related to any pitching prospect. Like a guy comes up, doesn't matter how good they are. We never know how good these guys are going to be, especially on the pitching side, right? Spencer Strider came from you know, no one knew who this guy was. <laughs> he was incredible last year. And then we've had stories like Nate Pearson where there's all this hype and they come up and they get injured and they don't throw as well as you expect. And so projecting pitchers is just so impossible. And I will wait until I see Grayson Rodriguez in the big leagues to, you know, invest all of my chips. That being said, I'm very much in. Yeah, yeah. Huge, huge spectrum of of outcomes for for any pitcher, no matter how hype they are. Uh, but yeah, we, we just have to hope that He's the kind of guy that will, like as we said, like you, you throw that that many strikes, you're gonna be like sure maybe you end up getting hit harder, but like I don't see a scenario where he goes out and you know shits the bed and walks four in the first. Like that doesn't seem like something that would happen to Grayson. Now you might be listening to this right now, watching him do that, and I sound like a complete idiot, but the, in terms of the style of pitcher, like I feel pretty confident in that. Um, but to me, what's so exciting is like the Orioles, as exciting as this as this last year has been, of course, it's been built around the hitting. Right. But the pitching has been and I felt this with the Mariners, too, as they were kind of coming out of it, is that the kinds of pitchers that they had were so goddamn boring. Right. Like they just no one had stuff at all. And honestly, I love John Means. Right. He's awesome. But like even him, it's not like you're treating like, holy shit. Like, look at this. Look at this guy's throwing. And you say you have. And I, I know Kyle Gibson was awesome last night. And I know, you know, Bradish has shown some of that stuff. But like this is the kind of pitcher you want to tune into. Right. Like this is why so exciting for me as a Mariners fan to have George Kirby, to have Logan Gilbert. Like the stuff is real and that is what is so exciting about a guy like him and and for you like a reason to really want to tune in to Orioles starts right like that is not something that you have really had I feel like uh in a while in a long while the last time that really happened was you know the day after John Means through his next start after the no hitter right because there are there's not necessarily appointment viewing on this team and there hasn't been for a while speaking of rookies let's talk about a couple of other rookies who have been in the big league so far to start the year, Jordan Walker and Anthony Volpe, two of the top prospects in baseball, both made the big league club out of camp. We kind of glossed over it a little bit in our preview, and we haven't potted since opening day. I saw Volpe play in his first game with the Yankees back on Thursday a week ago. I have not watched a whole lot of Jordan Walker. So, Jordan, why don't you tell me how Jordan Walker has been doing the uh, Goliathan slugger for the St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah, and I think that those two, you know, they're different leagues, but as these, not necessarily saviors, you know, the Cardinals and Yankees were both really good last year, but guys that can really elevate this team single-handedly immediately as rookies, right? So it's a ton of pressure, but also, like, there's a reason for it. These guys are top five prospects in the game, and the talent translates immediately. Very different styles of player. I think what you've seen is that Volpe can is clearly go. First of all, you know he's had some some issues here defensively here and there, not, not like bad. He's also made some great plays, right? But like some of that stuff has been a, a little rough in, in the early going. But 
it's the it is the little things also like the base running everyone's talking about how volpe the base running is just so advanced and and certainly as we've seen so many teams you know running like crazy we've talked so much about this happened when they called up as cabrera but one of the biggest things with the yankees right is they're they're slow they're plotting they're old they're like creaky right like they're big and strong and scary but they're not <laughs> they're not exactly the most you know uh, fleet of foot, right? Like it's that. like a bunch of trolls, right? It's exactly, like in Scooby Doo, exactly. where the zombie is, ch- this Frankenstein is chasing them very slowly, and they're just right. running away. And that's and and again, like that's all, the entire line, and that's why you know Peraza, but really Cabrera really brought a new energy last year, right? Because just look around the team. Obviously, Judge is is fat, whatever. Judge is okay. He's amazing, whatever. But Stanton and Rizzo and Lemayhu and Donaldson and Glaber, like these guys are great players. But they are not, they're just not jumping off the screen athletically, right? Whereas Volpe by himself at shortstop when it's going well on the bases kind of gives that new flavor, which has been good. Offensively, you know, it's taken some time. Um, but well, this is what Gordon I was going to say. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Volpe, like I've seen some of the at-bats. I was at his first game. The power is going to take more time, I think, than we thought he has displayed Really good power in the minor leagues. I understand that, but it's a different beast to be able to turn around, you know, that level of velocity in the bigs. He seems to be having awesome at bats, though. Yeah. Right. He's not overmatched from no. a plate discipline standpoint, from a swing decision making standpoint. It's more when he's swinging right now, he's not impacting the baseball as well as you would hope. Totally, totally agree. He he clearly again, belongs. He's he's twenty one. Yeah. <laughs> no, he clearly he clearly belongs. Um. Whereas, again, that's a good transition to Walker because Jordan Walker is still 20 and Jordan Walker not only looks like he belongs, but he's he's having no trouble, you know, turning around and, and ripping baseball. I mean, he's huge, right? Like he does not look like he's 20 and he has kind of brought a new element to the to the Cardinals lineup where immediately you're just like, oh, wait a minute. Like this lineup is could immediately be that much scarier. Yes. You know, he's going to have more at bats where he's striking out and looking totally fooled because, again, Totally skip AAA and we'll just be, you know, he he's 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 going to be seeing a lot of pitches for the first time in a way that that is is you know unique. But I mean, he's going to be impacting the he's already impacting the baseball in a hurry, and like that is going to change the complexion of this Cardinals lineup in a very legitimate way. That that is, I think, that makes them scarier than they really have been. So uh, yeah, they've both been so much fun to watch. Zero walks, no strikeouts so far for Jordan Walker. <laughs> That will not be the case. Uh, Those numbers will both go up pretty rapidly, I would imagine. I just the reason we wanted to start with these guys is we have been so spoiled as baseball people over the last really the last decade of these young players coming up and immediately living up to the hype. Last year, we had Adley and we had Michael Harris and we had Julio who just debuted and were instantly one of the best you know, 50 players in the world. That does not happen. We had that with Soto. We had that with Acuna. We, That's the thing. You know, it is happening. <laughs> it's it, it'd be it's happening. happening all the time. And, and, and there's probably a conversation to be had of, okay, so maybe is this happening more? Is this a trend? Is it an outlier? Where should our expectations be? And I just want to remind people that multiple things can be true. It's okay to get excited about Volpe and Walker. But at the same time, if these guys have a bad April, it's not the end of the world that happens to a lot, a lot, a lot of players. Not everybody hits the ground running. And so if they do underwhelm a little bit to start, worse things have happened. Yeah. And the other thing about that is what that has created is expectations from every fan base for every hotshot rookie, right? Or, you know, a Mets situation. And I know there might be some Beatty injury stuff too. But it's like, what are we doing? Like, just play Brad Beatty. He will obviously immediately be awesome. And that's possible, right? Like, it, it, it very, very well might be the case. And maybe they should be playing him over Eduardo Escobar right now, right? Same thing with Alvarez, right? I know people, it's not like with McCann where it's like, please get this guy out of here as it is with Narvaez. Like, he's been fine. But all the other fans, it's like, well, why can't that just happen to my team, you know? Right. All right, Jordan, let's take a quick break. And we will be back after that to discuss all the things that I missed. 
Hey, everybody, I'm James Hinchcliffe. And I'm Alexander Rossi, and we're the hosts of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. As two friends who have a collective 18 years of experience driving an IndyCar and one season of experience on Dancing with the Stars, we know what it takes to be successful on and off the track or dance floor. That's why each week we will give you a peek behind the front curtain and tell you what life is really like for professional IndyCar drivers and second place finishers on dancing television shows. Download Off Track with Hinch and Rossi on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. Thank God, no more Craig Goldstein. I had to get a substitute for my last podcast. And it was only the second worst thing that happened to me all week was listening to Craig Goldstein take my place. Jordan, I have been out of the loop, mourning, grieving here in Baltimore, Maryland, consuming baseball only through the newspaper and through what my family friends have to say about baseball which is always insightful, as I'm sure you know. What do I need to know? What have I missed? Where should we begin here? Well, I think we need to, to start with the how I can best answer this, which is what do you know, right? What, has, what news has been delivered to you via the Baltimore Sun? I do imagine you're vague. Of course, we already talked about Grayson, and you know maybe you probably saw what happened to the Orioles on Saturday <laughs> and the way that they lost. You know the, the, the Orioles have had some interesting games, but they've bounced back here nicely in Texas. So beyond Orioles land, what are what are some of the bits and pieces? I don't know if you've looked. I remember when I was when I was a youth and used to read the sports section. I, I enjoyed looking at the standings, you know, and the transactions and maybe the leaderboards. But what are you generally aware of as far as the early season trends? I know the Twins are good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know true. the Nats are bad. Oh, nice! <laughs> Did you get that in the newspaper? Is that how you found that out? I actually just am living in the world. I got that information through osmosis. I know those two things. I know that the Padres were bad and then have been exciting and good since they were bad. Yep. And that's it. That's basically it. I know almost nothing else about what has been going on in baseball. Okay. So you you got you got the kind of the headlines. Um, the twins. I'm glad you mentioned the twins. The way this is going to work, we're, we're going to bounce around a few different things because this is this is fun for me too to kind of you know get to share some of these bits of information with you. So- oh, I know that uh, the new rules are working to do the things they were created to do. Yes, uh, multiple people have showed up to Shiva and said, "I love these new rules." Uh, which, as you mentioned, o- older older people have said that. Is that is that true? Yes. Yes. So this is an important thing. And again, we, we, we of course, covered a lot of the, the new rules um, reaction so far uh, with Craig. And so, listen, I, I'll let you kind of get back into the baseball world. We'll, we'll move the, the new rules to the side now and let you watch more baseball and be able to react to it. Maybe we'll talk about it on Saturday um, at the live show. But so we'll, we'll move that aside. We'll focus more on the results. However, one thing related to the new rules, which happened last night, which is that the Twins lost their first game at the hands of a Sandy Alcantara complete game shutout in how long did it take, Jake Mintz? How long did a Sandy CG SHO take? Uh, again, I believe, do you want me to give you his line? You want me to give you his, his pitches? I'll just say 157. Ah, oh, nailed it. I think it was either 157 or 158. I believe our first sub two game of the year. I saw a stat that yesterday's average game time of two uh, 33 was the shortest in like 30 something years. So that's obviously working and games like that are happening. However, I will say that 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 uh, that game, sure, the, the twins did lose. It was their first loss, uh, but they only allowed one run and obviously Garcia uh, solo home run. And it's not just that the twins are good. It's that the twins pitching has been marvelous. Ken Tamaeda looked tremendous. Tyler Malley looked tremendous. And this is a good transition into something I know you asked me before you wanted to know who has kind of, you know, caught the the affection of a new fan base. And that is Mr. Joey Gallo. Joey mm. Gallo looks fantastic. Joey really? Gallo already has three home runs. Um, Joey oh. Gallo just looks rejuvenated to a degree. Again, the, all of this is small sample size, so bear with us. But Joey Gallo has looked just excellent. So how does I know I know you were high on the twins coming into the season, so I figured you'd be very happy to hear that that was the case. So he just looks happy. He's just swinging oh, happy. Yeah. Is there like a big obvious swing change situation? No, Is he no. trying to hit the ball on the ground? Just let 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 his legs work. 
Now, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I haven't watched every at bat to the point where it's like, oh, he's all this the shift is gone, and now you know he's like, no, he's just hitting it over the shift, right? That's usually the best way to beat the shift <laughs> right. um, is to do that. But as I mentioned, the the pitching has been just tremendous. A one two three ERA in five games for them. Um, and yeah, by far the best in baseball. So that is uh, that is very impressive. However, they are not undefeated anymore because they lost to the uh, Marlins. The Rays, Jake Mintz, as we sit here on the morning of April 5th, are the only undefeated team left. Now, I know I that you know, they have they have only played the Tigers in the Nationals. That, that I do know. Correct. That is correct. They've only played the Tigers in the Nationals, and that is why I am definitely going to reserve judgment on just how good this Rays team is. That said, they did face some real adversity down in the ninth yesterday uh, against, you know, Mariana Rivera, a.k.a. Kyle Finnegan, and they promptly hit three home runs against Kyle Finnegan in the same inning. Now, why Kyle Finnegan was allowed to be in the game to allow three home runs, that's like not something that should be possible for a closer. That's something that you need to ask Mike Rizzo. And that not is something, Jordan. yes, yes. Uh, Davey, hopefully uh, Jesse Doherty and Andrew Golden were like, hey, Davey, what was the thinking with, you know, letting Kyle Finnegan allow three home runs? Oh, because we're we suck and we're trying to lose. Uh, we suck and we're trying to lose. Yes. Uh, but I will say um, at the very least, you know, I, I agree. They've played the the Tigers and the Nationals. However, other good teams have played bad teams and they're not undefeated. Right. So Randy, like Randy going from the WBC to this is great, right? It's. It's the most intense baseball he's ever played to just whooping on two of the worst teams in the league. Um, related to the Tigers, so uh, one of the other uh, Shivagoas here is a Tigers fan. And he came up to me and said, I got real beef with you. You guys have been very harsh on the Tigers. How have the Tigers been doing? Uh, bad. Horrible. In fact, worse than I thought. Now, again, they had to face you know the Rays. Very good pitching. You know, Jeffrey Springs looked great. And of course, um, uh, Rasmussen and, and you know, Eflin looked fantastic. He made duh. some tweaks. So like, duh, right. Of course, the bullpen was good. So yet yeah, Tigers have not, although I will say they just beat the Astros last night and Spencer Torkelson hit a home run off of a 99 mile an hour Ryan Stanek fastball where you were like to, to the train tracks in Houston. And it was like, there it is. That's what we're looking for. More of that, Mr. Torkelson. That is what we have all been with. That swing. Well, I know people he was hitting the ball hard in the spring. I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve judgment because the offense looked horrific for the first few games. But swings like that for Torque, it's it is that simple. Like just seeing one of those and you're like, okay, okay, Ty. Okay, right, because got something. in a week's worth of games, you cannot pass judgment on how good a player is over 162. We have no idea about consistency. What we can deduce is players doing things that they were previously unable to do. Yes. Spencer Torkelson could not have physically hit a ball onto the train tracks last year because he was so mishkapoi. He was so out of <laughs> sync. He was so out of whack. And that is a transition to another thing I know that happened, which is Alec Bohm taking Jacob deGrom deep on opening day. Now, Bohm, I was going to write a story on this, and then my grandma died. Uh, Bohm had seen 112 fastballs in his career at the top or just above the strike zone. Okay? League average or faster. Basically, think of it as like elevated velocity. He had swung at 112 of those, right? He had never hit one for a home run until he hit one off of Jacob deGrom throwing 99 opposite field in Texas. And to me, that is a great example of he could not do that before. That was not a thing he could physically do before. That's a new dance move, right? It's like you play Super Smash. That was not a move he was able to do before, okay? And now <laughs> he, he can do it. it. He unlocked that move. And so that, to me, I am even higher on Alec Bone than I was before. Here are my three questions for you, Jordan, about what I don't know. You kind of answered one already, but I want to expand it a little bit, which is which new player in a new city has immediately endeared themselves to a new fan base? Good deeds in the first week of the season – are worth more than good deeds in July. Fan bases remember that. It is easy to make a good first impression. Uh, who, what other guys beyond Joey Gallo have showed up in a new place and the fans have fallen in love? Mm -hmm. So two, two ones uh, definitely jump out. Um, both of them, I'm just going to run through you. Uh, there are nine players who have already hit three home runs. Okay. <laughs> And I, I don't know if you, there's actually one of them that I'm not even sure if you've heard of him. 
<laughs> I, I could be wrong. I, I think you probably have heard of him. Like he was in the big leagues briefly last year, but maybe not. So here's who has three home runs. Okay. So I mentioned Joey Gallo. He has three. Will Smith and Trace Thompson both have three. Trace Thompson hit three in one game. Uh, Will Smith that. Dodgers looks amazing. He's he's great. Uh, CJ Crone has three home runs. He's uh, been very good. Um, Brian Reynolds is actually leading the big leagues in home runs with four. He's also been a storyline so far as far as his extension, where it seems like they actually have agreed two years in dollars, but they have not agreed on opt-out. And so that's just very weird. Uh, It seems like a Brian Reynolds extension will probably happen, but okay. So he's been great. But then the two who fit your criteria, oh, sorry, Luke Rayleigh has three home runs for the Rays. Again, I don't know if there are enough Rays fans to be like losing their mind over Luke Rayleigh. I know he had a big spring too, but that's one. Um, do you know who Jason Vossler is? Jason Vossler was on the Cubs and is now on the Reds, I believe. Yes, he is in the uh, play first base until Joey Votto gets back role. And he has three home runs and has been <laughs> tremendous. Uh, he was with uh, the Giants. He was with, yes, he was started with the Cubs, was with the Mariners briefly, um, Padres in 19, and he's had a, a hot start. So there you go, Jason Bossler. But the two guys to actually answer your question who also have three home runs, one is Xander Bogarts, who looks amazing. Uh, Xander Bogarts looks fantastic. He, you know, it's been a slow start for even Soto, although he got his first homer. Machado, he got ejected, arguing an automatic strike yesterday. So that was fun. Uh, But, you know, they will drop the first two to the Rockies. And then third game, Bogarts hit a massive homer to the third uh, to the second deck and left and has now, you know, had a couple more home runs. You know, we're getting the San Diego. I was going to I was literally about to ask you that. Are people tweeting San Diego? Yep, Zandy. I'm against well, that. I mean, I'm they're, against they're, it. They're, they're delivering like, uh, everything you could you could possibly imagine for that. Zan, and it's great. San Diego sounds like a drug thing, guys. I know. Okay, I know. Yeah, Zan is a little a little dicey, but you know what? They love him. And Tati started his first game uh, last night in El Paso, which is funny to me because he still has like a few weeks. Like, I, is he really going to play like two full weeks in in the PCL, or is this like? play a few games and then just go basically wait in San Diego until he's ready to rock on, uh, I believe, April 20th. So, But Bogarts is a super easy answer. He's just been looked great and, and has certainly kind of picked up uh, the slack where, you know, Cruz, you know, <laughs> not great Carpenter, eh, Grisham, you know, whatever. But in general, I think they they are in, in, in pretty good shape there. But the other one is, fittingly, again, not necessarily an offseason move that we were that excited about except for you know, for goofy reasons. And that is Brian Anderson of the Brewers. Brian Anderson, who I know you're like, who cares? My God. I mean, he looks fantastic. And like, that's the, I'm, it, it, it has caught my attention, not just because we have Brian Anderson calling Brian Anderson home runs. And that's been great. The Brewers have just mauled the Mets the last two games, I believe 10, nothing and nine, nothing over the last two days. So that's not great for the, for the wow. New York Metropolitans, but Brian Anderson, and he went back to back with Garrett Mitchell uh, yesterday. And, he just, yeah, he just looks great. And like for a Brewers offense that underwhelms big time on paper, like they're going to need some some breakout performances and guys that you don't expect there. And maybe he's that, I guess. He looks great. I did see a tweet yesterday that said, Brian Anderson is him. And I thought to myself, <laughs> is he him? And now I'm learning that maybe he is him. I think those are his pronouns. So for whatever that's worth, but I don't, <laughs> but uh, yes, it, it, him in that sense, it, it appears that so far, um, yes, he, he is indeed him. So wow. that is, how about, that, how about like Will Myers? Has Will Myers been a, a fun for Reds fans? A, I mean, I, I talked to Will Myers a little bit on opening day in Cincinnati, a cool, cool guy. Hasn't really, hasn't really, again, the, the Vossler hype is, is far surpassing. For a much okay. for a much cheaper price than uh, than Will Myers. Okay. Uh, okay. So that was my first question. My second question: <laughs> What are people mad about? Because people are always mad about something on the internet and on the baseball internet. I know that the former president of the United States got indicted yesterday, mm-hmm. so I would imagine that there are certainly some people mad about that. Yeah. But within the sphere of baseball, what are people online mad about? Yeah, I mean, again, some of this goes back to to some of the new rules stuff. Uh, people going to the game and saying it's too fast. I don't have time to get food. I don't have time to pee. Whatever stuff like that. I think that's listen. I mean, there are really people saying that. <laughs> there are people that actually feel that way. I think that it has still overwhelmingly been positive in terms of how people have received 
the new the new the new style of play and pace of play and all that stuff. So in terms I don't of, have time to pee is amazing. Yeah. That's that is a you problem. Yeah. If you don't have time to pee in the flow of a baseball game, that's on you. You got to space out your liquid intake. You got to pick your spots. You are just playing at a higher level of fandom now. Okay? Because the game is faster, you can't lollygag your way to five wins above replacement fan. Okay? It is a new world and that's on you to figure out. Yep, that's fair. That's what um, catheters say- are for, Jordan. <laughs> what did you say? That's what catheters are for. That's a- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's that's exactly how why they prescribe them. Um, giveaway day. <laughs> <laughs> they uh now uh, again, something that has not changed. Um but we don't care, but I'm just I'm just reporting you you asked the question. Especially the first couple of days, people still pissed about umps. Which was unfortunate because I do feel like uh, there were, uh, again, you know, Pat Hoberg delivered a, a gem in his first uh, game behind the plate. So we love perfect Pat. Um, but yeah, it, as usual, there were some some egregious uh, called. To, it's fine. You, you don't want robo umps, I promise you. So don't worry about that. I will say Mets fans. Yeah, Mets fans are not particularly thrilled right now with the with the offensive output. I know they would like to maybe see uh, Brett Beatty in the big leagues. I know they're their pitching staff has has been uh, Scherzer's, you know, been getting crushed. Sango was actually really good after the first inning, so that was nice to see. But Carrasco was terrible against the Brewers, and why they ended up having to use Luis Guillorme in that game. Um, so yeah, it, but again, like I, I'm trying to. It's generally at this at this stage, the good teams, you know, Mariners fans were pissed because they lose three in a row. And then, okay, Teoscar hits two homers and everyone says, all right, go to the World Series. So it's it's not a fair time to be assessing fan bases complaints. I will say that. Uh, but that's that, those are some of the early things that I've seen. It is a funny time for people to overreact. Like, it, we don't know. It's just, it's just, just watch the ball. No complaining until May. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Because it's just like, listen, I can't. It, to me, listen, we, we're all we, we're not t- to tell you how to be a fan. <laughs> I feel like for your own sake. Yeah, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Nationals fans, Tigers fans, you guys can complain as much as you want. Yeah, uh, this will shock you. People aren't going to A's games. Um, Please the, do tell. <laughs> so but this is I do find this interesting. So the Nationals had like a reported attendance of 10,000, which is like the lowest they had announced in a long time and you can always adjust it down i mean you just look you know it's not ten thousand people the a's announced three thousand announced three thousand yeah yeah i believe uh jj cooper had the stat that 90 percent of the triple a games played so far have had higher attendance than what a's guardians had this week so um and three thousand honestly seems high if you were watching so listen i will say weeknight A's Guardians. It's per- yeah, in perfect storm. Ap- in the second week of April yeah. is the Super Bowl of not the Super Bowl. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I'm I'm with you on that. I, I would not uh, overreact too much to that. So um, I mean, listen, I'm not saying they're going <laughs> to pack in the house <laughs> in the summer, but uh, hopefully it doesn't get any worse than that. But not that it makes that big of a difference. It's just it's just pretty bleak. So. You know, it is what it is. A uh, couple other quick, just individual players that I just wanted to mention. It's like off to a good start so that you know this. Adam Duvall, not just the home run against the Red Sox, has been great. Yohan Moncada has looked oh, very wow. good. So that's that's some, like, people say, oh, carry the momentum for the WBC. I'm like, it wasn't that good at the WBC. So, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that he was playing meaningful games and now he's still playing meaningful games, but... Um, he didn't look that good, so he he just got to play Australia in the quarterfinals. That's right. it. Like if, right. if if Cuba had played like Korea, a good Korea team, and they beat Cuba, like no one is thinking about it. They win that game, and I guess now they're a story. Whatever. But also, you know, he's doing it against the Astros, so it's like, all right, you, right. you got my attention. Um, so yeah, so I'd, I'd say he's he's just another one to to keep around and pitching whatever. He's, no one's really pitched enough to really know what the hell's going on with that. Is anyone throwing like eight miles an hour faster or eight miles an no, hour slower? I would say so far it's more the opposite. We're more of seeing the the no one's coming out throwing way harder than expected. So it's more of like the uh oh is this guy hurt or is it just April? A lot of those games. So like it was <laughs> it Jack Flaherty throwing ninety? Yeah, Flaherty was not, and, and Carrasco was was not throwing 
uh, particularly hard. So, yeah, you know, not great, not great. Uh, and then the other thing we have to mention, I know they got the that's a great win. sorry. That's a good game is hurt April or bad. Right. Right. That's that is a, a, a everyone's favorite in the first couple of weeks. But uh, the Phillies started on four, finally got their first uh, dub against the Yankees. And the story with them is that the pitching outside of Andrew Bellotti has been uh, atrocious, uh, really bad, particularly the bullpen. Kimbrell had a horrible outing. Soto's had a horrible outing. Uh, it's just it's just not been not been pretty, and I don't really know what the in fall Bailey Falter was actually pretty good, but the, we're we're kind of wondering what the what the solution is there for the, for the old Phillies because the solution they, there is going to be tested pretty quickly here. That is true, and every team will get hurt, and another player will get hurt. But the solution there is have Ranger Suarez back in the rotation, so that Matt Strom can kind of be the guy in the bullpen instead of like an average five starter. Yeah. Uh, but right now, the 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 746 ERA, not going to get the job done. Not going to get the job done. So I'm sure they'll be fine. I, I have to shout out. <laughs> I have to shout out our good friend, Matt Curry, who <laughs> favorite Phillies fan, former G3 All-American, of course. Um, he gave me the great idea that what, what how do we turn their season around last year? Right. Oh, we, we, we fired the manager. Right. But we don't want to fire Rob Thompson. So he suggested hire Girardi back for a day and then fire him, get the fan base kind of amped up. Uh, <laughs> and, and the players and the players amped up. That's so funny, Jordan, because, you know, like I played college baseball and I got a new coach who was way better than my old coach. and I loved everything about him. But then there were some players like down the line after I graduated who were like, I don't know if I like this new coach. I'm like you did not play for the old coach. And so we would joke, like, you do one day under the old coach and you're going to love the new guy. So you're right. Like, if the Phillies are feeling down and are unmotivated or not locked in, if you bring Girardi back for, you know, six hours, you will light a fire under a couple of those younger players. Believe you me. Yeah. So that's uh, that I I enjoyed that. But I was wondering, I was like, if you, you know, if they keep struggling, like, you know, respect to to Rob Thompson, but what what button do we press? You know, what button do we press? And I do think that offensively, it's been nice to see Boom. You know, looking good. Schwarber got his first homer, but well, you know, Marsh has been a little inconsistent. So I, it's gonna be, it's definitely gonna be a work in progress with the Phillies. The vi- there are too many injuries to kind of overcome the 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 slow st- in that sense. Like we can't we can't say we're carrying the vibes over. There's too many missing pieces now to act like this is the same group because it's just not. Yeah, but they also haven't played a home game. And I think I know, once right. they play a home good, game. Exactly. And the, the fact that they got a, a win before they went home was ideal because <laughs> there's a version where uh, the home opener, which I do believe is tomorrow, would be a little a little dicey in that sense. Is Jordan, is there a team that you have already changed your mind about just watching them play? We spent all this time prognosticating and going on fan graphs, roster resource and baseball savant and digging into players and whatever. But once you actually see a team on the field, it can change your perception of them. Is there a club that has done that for you? Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Minnesota's look great. It's again when when you just <laughs> when you just see teams winning as much as you do this early, you're just it's impossible not to. You know, the Braves look great, but I will say, like Tampa, I don't know. The, the thing with Tampa that that I do think is is at least underrated to some degree is not just Randy, but like Wander. I mean, Wander looks. Awesome. That's one that we kind of moved him aside, and it's like, well, why? Why he was he was just playing with a broken hand, like he was not healthy for the whole season. He's twenty two, um, and like that, he is not someone that we should be moving aside as not worthy of ridiculous hype. Because if he is just healthy and awesome, I mean, now this lineup, you're you're just way, way, way more more intimidated, and the pitching's going to be great. So. Yeah, I definitely don't want to discount Tampa too much. Also, Toronto, Toronto's had a, a rough start to go. And I would say if there's been the maybe the thing non-injury related that has made me the saddest uh, is that Jose Barrios got demolished in his opener against the Royals, who could not hit in the opening weekend. And so no Blue Jays fans were really frustrated by that. So that that was one. It's just like, what do you what do you do here? So. Uh, that's uh, that, that that that's a team. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm worried about the Blue Jays, but yeah, if Tampa Tampa's going to be this good, then and I do think the Orioles are going to be good too. Then then uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be it's going to be a good time in the AL East as always. So the one team that I have changed my mind about by watching about seven hours of baseball so far this year, 
I was watching some Orioles highlights yesterday of them beating the Rangers. And I've decided that I'm I think I'm a higher on the Rangers than I was a week ago, even though they just lost two to the Orioles. And here's sure. why. Camera pans to the dugout, and there's Bruce Bochy. Okay. 100%. Bruce Bochy is sitting there as the manager of the Rangers, a man who led the San Francisco Giants, who the rosters at that time was Posey, Sandoval, and a bunch of guys they found on the street, to three World Series titles. Okay. Bochy was incredible. Incredible. This is a guy who's future Hall of Famer. His reputation is unmatched, and he would not have taken this job if he had thought that it was going to be a total shit show. And so because of that, I have – and it could be, you know, like maybe he just took it for the money and that's totally fine. But they just panned him in the dugout and I was like, that's Bruce Bochy. This is not going to get completely out of hand. He won't let that happen. I'm in. Totally agree. I'm writing a little bit about that for Fox um, today and like it, it just legitimizes the whole operation, right? In a way that Jerry Reinsdorf probably thought he was doing with Tony La Russa. You know, it's like, oh – this guy's a winner. This guy's a Hall of Famer. He's won so many games, but like, but this is just the best possible version of that. And right. I think I'm totally with you. And I, I think it just it just makes me trust all of it. And I think you could apply that. You know, you've seen this in other other situations too. Like, same thing with Bob Melvin going to the Padres. You know, the, the Padres, as talented as they were, it felt like they were just not. You know, respect to Andy Green, but like, especially with Tingler, it was just like. Why why am I trusting you to be not that new managers can never be good. And, you know, I know we've talked about how it's like it's not that you can't we shouldn't try new managers and, and give other guys opportunities to prove that they can be good. At the same time, like when the stakes are that high and the roster is that good and you have all this talent, which the Rangers do have, that makes me feel better about it. We saw the same thing with the Mets last year in Buck Showalter. Totally. Right. Totally. It's exactly the same thing. Yep. So I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think Bochi will will make a very a very big difference there. And, and yeah, they they got an interesting team. I mean, if they can, if they can stay on the field, uh, we will uh, we will see with them. Anything else I need to know? How's Jason Hayward doing? Oh, last night Jason Hayward hit. I think I want to say it was the hardest home run he's ever hit, exit velo wise, or at least in the Sackcast era, which is still you know eight years. Um, so that's a Dodgers thing to watch for sure. Uh, you know, we covered some of the Dodgers stuff. With Craig, of course, but yeah, all that was a, the Dodgers will be fine. They'll they'll be okay. Altman looks good. Will Smith looks awesome. The pitching has been uh, marvelous. So the bullpen's going to be weird. I have no idea who's going to lead that team in saves. Not that it really matters, but yeah, they're going to be fine. They that's not if Hayward is actually going to be swinging it like that, then they're going to be just fine. I feel pretty caught up. Yes, yes. I think you you I think you know what you need to know. I would say um, oh the. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve judgment on that. I'm, I I want I want to stay positive on a certain thing that I'll I'll say after we're done recording. Um, but there <laughs> okay. is one thing, there is one thing that I I did uh, work on and I wanted to share with you. Okay, this is very. Uh, we'll we'll end the show here. This is we we can end it. Um, but there is something I'm very excited about this year. Something that, that you know we love tracking, right? And that is the mop, Jake, the mop is something we care very much about. Can you remind everyone what a mop is? And then I will tell you why I'm bringing this up. You win three. It's a sweep. You win four in a row against the same team. Well, that's even cleaner. That's a mop. That is a mop. And four game series, because of the new balance schedules, are actually more rare than ever. Before they changed the schedule, like if you go back to 1918, whatever, and before uh, there was as much interleague where you were not, you're basically never playing a four game series against an interleague opponent, but now you have more interleague opponents. It used to be that each team had like 13 to 16 mop, mop opportunities. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a year, right? Four game series. Now, because of the balanced schedule, teams only have between eight and 10 opportunities to mop their opponent. And we had five opening mops to start the year, and none of them, none of them were were completed. You know, the Mets, five mop opportunities. Five mop opportunities to start the season, and none of them uh were sufficiently uh cleaned up. There was still some stuff left on the floor at the end of those series as the Rockies Padres split, White Sox Astros split, D-Backs Dodgers split, Mets and Guardians won their series, but it was, it was just the regular cleaning, not a full-blown mop. Another thing that I have noticed in watching highlights so far this year, 
is that there are a lot more stadiums turning the lights off for home runs. Have you noticed this? I see the Brewers have it. I saw the Dodgers had it with Trace Thompson. And I, first of all, I love this. Baseball is entertainment above all else. Entertain me. I like it. Turn off the lights. I stand. However, it does have the potential, Jordan, for a Martin Maldonado World Series Game 2 2019 situation where a team is up by or down by 15 runs at home and they hit a solo shot to trip it to 14 and the lights go off. Can't wait for that. Love that. No, again, I'm I'm, I'm totally for it. Uh, yeah, no, I have seen that. I've seen people com- complaining about that or like when a reliever comes in, the lights go out and everyone's like, is that on purpose? Like, what's what's going on here? So, yes, no, you're right. That has happened. But I just wanted to mention that I, I have I have organized all the mops in one document. opportunities. There will be 130 uh, opportunities this season uh, and we will be tracking them all year long. Uh, Blue Jays and Royals in the middle of a, of a four-game series right now, but that was our, has already been split. Uh, we got three coming up this weekend, Padres, Braves, Dodgers, D-backs, Nats, Rockies. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see who gets the first mop of the year. It'll be, uh, it'll be very, uh, of course, something that's just, I mean, there's nothing like it. There's, no, there's nothing more demoralizing than going into a series and losing all four games. And it's, of course, the opposite if you win all four. Mop, 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 mop it up. Yep. So that will be, that is our mop watch. Uh, we will, of course, be bringing back some of our other segments, I'm sure, from the past. We're still working on figuring out what our regular season cadence is going to be. But you, can, of course, can expect us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, I don't think we're recording Friday this week, although maybe we are. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. But, of course, most, most importantly, Saturday, 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 5 p.m., Section 777, across from Camden Yards. We'll be doing a live pod event ahead of the Orioles and Yankees game. Very excited about that. So make sure you come out, say hello, listen to us blabber about Grayson Rodriguez's perfect game. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. You can get some uh, BBCast merch, podswag.com/baseball. You can find that link and all the info on all of our relevant platforms. Um, but yeah, thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this episode. Thank you to Jake Mintz for returning to host a podcast with me. This was fun. It's good to have you back. And I will see you in person very soon. So looking forward to that. I hope everyone has a wonderful Seder. Obviously, happy Passover, everybody. Uh, but yeah, any final thoughts, Jake Mintz? No. Goodbye. Sirius XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.